Welcome to Third Chances, a talk show where we like to hear from people who devoted their life to health, fitness and wellness. Medical professionals, health coaches and all the others who help us every day to cure our body, mind or soul. Those who always look for more natural, holistic ways to help even more people to live a happier and healthier life. Those who don't like to give up easily and settle on you or themselves. It is never too late or too soon. I always believe that every one of us deserves not just a second chance, but as many as we need. I'm Vera, your host. Who better than a master of reinvention with an accent to guide you through it, right? Just like they say, you are not a tree, so move. And God knows I have done just that in my own life many, many times. If you are not completely happy with the direction your life is going, This show may help you get the courage to change what is needed, find a new path and take charge. So come on over, pour yourself a glass of wine and spend some time with us. Let's laugh and cry together and get inspired by people just like you and me who overcame their own doubts and took a leap of faith to reinvent their life on their own terms. I hope and pray that we help you on that journey. And if you feel so compelled and inspired, please let us know. Don't be shy. Who knows? You may just be our next featured guest with another inspiring success story. So here we go. So hello, hello, and welcome to our today's podcast, the episode of Third Chances when we speak with interesting human beings that change their life for better. And let me tell you, today's guest is a very special one. Berta Medina Garcia is surely a rare breed of human being. She's an adventurist, external optimist, and outspoken positive influence on anyone she meets. One of the most generous people I ever met, and I'm so blessed to have her in my life and being able to call her my friend. Welcome, Berta. Thank you. Thank you, Vera. So happy to be here. I'm so excited. I am excited too. And I, I, please bear with me because this lady deserves all the acknowledgement of her many accomplishments. Here is just a little bit of her long list of professional credentials that I put together and I better read it because I don't want to mess it up. (laughs) So Berta founded A Dreamer's Succeed to help others who are looking for growth to shift their perspective the way they view themselves and break limits of what they think they are capable of, which applies to life, business, and teams in modern organizations that want to bring the best out of people. Adventure coaching is just that, challenging yourself to be the best you can. And Berta does it by her own example. Whether whether it is her passion for serving and philanthropy, love for Kenya, and a mission she accomplished there that it's hard to imagine for most human beings that we call normal, (laughs) or her skydiving, or a decision to get a license for piloting, there's nothing impossible to her. Berta inspires by her positive spirit and accountability she has for herself and for all those around her. She also brings her own 30 years of experience as an entrepreneur to the table. So on top of all this, she's a captivating keynote speaker, 
an author of multiple books, certified professional coach and go-giver speaker, creator of various programs, workshops, retreats, seminars, helping people realize their goals, find new paths to fulfillment, and motivate those who need a little push to change their view for life for the better. We can speak about your accomplishments the whole day, Berta, but that's just one part of you. And I believe I'll, we will get to know you much better by understanding what's important to you. We met a few years back when I heard you speak on a video and you st your stand resonated so strongly with my own values that I was basically stalking you ever since until we scheduled lunch together. And once we met in person, I felt like we were lifelong friends. That's the way you make people feel. So welcome to our show. It's an honor to have you here today. I know how busy you are and it means a lot. You made time in your schedule for our podcast. Where in the world are you right now? Right now. And, and thank you for those beautiful words. I think you overdid it. So uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, let Impossible. you know. <laughs> I think she overdid it a little bit. Um, today I am in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Uh, it's raining, but usually it's just beautiful here. We've had some really nice, nice weather this fall and beautiful trees. So yeah, today I always, I always start with, well, today, um, and that's where I am today. Yeah. You remind me of those travelers that go around the world and just change people on the way <laughs> as a side effect. <laughs> you know, I, I hope you don't mind to go a little back in your memory lane, I was really attracted to your, your life story. You came from Cuba and I would like to know how was it, if you remember, how was it to adapt to the American life? Well, what's interesting came? is that I was actually born in Miami. Uh, my mom uh, and grandparents migrated uh, in 1965. So I was okay. born two years later, was blessed by the grace of God uh, to be born in um, inarguably the greatest country in the world. Mm -hmm. But yeah. but I, I did. We did grow up. It was so fresh for for our family, the the, the having to leave and being exiled um, that we grew up as if we had our our lives in two different places you know on the mm -hmm. island of cuba and and in miami which was you know my grandfather was always so grateful for the welcoming arms of this country allowing him to work uh despite the fact that he was already retired in cuba and came here yeah. and had to help raise you know uh, four fatherless uh absent fathered children they were we weren't fatherless we were just absent fathers. so it was very interesting because we grew up in a very traditional Cuban home, you know, multi-generational. We grew up in a three-generation home. It was my grandparents, my mom, my aunt, and then myself. I'm an only child, but I was blessed to grow up with three cousins in the house. Mm -hmm. And um, it was it was almost as if we lived through the stories and through the freshness of everything the the trauma if you will of of having to just leave everything behind and and coming to a new country where you didn't speak the language where you didn't really know people where the infrastructure wasn't really there yet to be accommodating to to the type of to that type of of migration at the time yeah. but again um, you know, the resilience of this country mixed with the work ethic of, of the Cubans that were coming in made the transition um, really tolerable and really a, a fertile ground for, for growth and opportunity and knowing that 
you know, if you're here, you can accomplish anything. But but still, knowing very uh, deep, deep rooted the stories of, you know, imagine building your entire life and having everything set up. And then at I'll use my grandfather and as an example, at 60, having to get up and leave everything behind start in a new country so we we live that i I mean still today my we're you know i'm three generations in right i'm first generation american my kids and then my granddaughter um and it's very important for us to to make sure that they are very aware of the story and how it happened oh for sure because you know forgetting is a is a creates a, a danger of of repetition right we're, if, we're yeah exactly if we don't learn from our own history yes. we are deemed yes. to repeat it yes I, there was, yeah. there, it's it's interesting you mentioned uh, you have a strong woman in your life and i heard you talking about it repeatedly uh, but also an inspiring grandfather so who would you think influenced you the most and what way I would say both of my grandparents uh, were probably the strongest influence on me. I think my grandfather brought with him this tremendous sense of work ethic and responsibility and love for country and patriotism. I always talk about how he was the most the most patriotic American I've ever known, you know, yeah. and he never even got to this country till he was 60. So he he instilled a lot of that. And then my grandmother was the other side of the coin you know the the compassion the caring the the total belief in that um anything was possible because look at you know what happened to them and what they were able to accomplish yeah. and and it was as if their dreams were now living inside of our futures right and and i think that that at least for the four of us who grew up with with my grandparents that were blessed to grow up with my grandparents um we've all probably really really taken that to heart we've all subscribed to the ethics of of um of strong work ethic and and again love of country and and patriotism but we've all you know been in business for ourselves for for many years you know my grandfather made sure we were all um, college and married before he re-retired at the age of 82. But That's amazing. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, he, you know, we're, we're proud sort of to carry that torch and we feel a sense of responsibility, uh, you know, always, you know, my grandfather's been gone for, for 17 years, but my grandmother's been gone who was, you know, like, like my mother. And, and again, my mom, very strong my aunt very you know both of my aunts very strong we come from a long line of a very strong strong women which yeah. which i feel it's a huge blessing to have that in my bloodline but um but again i've i've always had despite the fact that my grandma has been gone for 37 years um this sense of responsibility like listen she's watching what would she think about this you know for sure and um and how would how would i how would i be showing up for her if I did this versus this. So yeah. it's, it's really been a great, um, a great, I don't want to say uh, uh, boundaries, right? Boundaries to stay within the lines while staying as far outside of the line as you possibly could. You know, my grandmother, you know, despite the fact that she died fairly young and in, in today's, you know, numbers, she was 70, mm -hmm. but she, 
would have totally been a pilot. You know, she loved traveling. She loved the snow. She was on a plane or a train and, and took me everywhere she went, mm. thank God, until I started school. Um, so it's it's just, you know, honoring those the legacies of, of those that came before us and doing more with what they instilled in us than... It's like the hunger for life. Yeah. 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 There was one thing I, if I, if I may ask you, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's okay. But I would love to touch on it because I heard you once saying the story, how you at some point of your childhood realized that your father who stayed behind in Cuba turned out to be something entirely different than what you thought the entire time he was. Yeah. Yeah. And How does that affect a mind of child when yeah. you kind of, you know, make your father a hero in your story? Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, that's a great question, Vera. And, and I love it. I, and, and what's funny is that I never talked about or shared that story until after my mom passed. Um, I, I know that she didn't know the story of how that realization came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would have, it w- even though she knew obviously, but, but I think it would have broken her heart to know yeah. the way that it, that it was exposed to me. So I, my father was in, in the U S and, and he lived in Miami and, you know, when my mom became pregnant, he went back to Cuba when he was, when she was five months pregnant. So of course I, you know, come into this world. I don't know who he is other than pictures and phone right. calls, which were very, very you know, difficult to, to achieve at the time. And, and I remember that when I was old enough to realize what would happen, um, they would tell me that he went back to Cuba when my mom was pregnant because his mom got sick and he had to go. And then when he went back, he was captured as a political prisoner and he was in prison, whatever. So you can imagine, you know, the kids in school, you're five, six years old and the kids are like, well, where's your father? You know, why don't you have a father? And what is it? It was such a weird thing right back then. And it was like this whole explanation, you know, a political prisoner is such a, a, um, a, a, you know, badge of honor for exiled kids. Yeah. And totally credible for that time. Exactly. But still it's prison. You know, how, how do you, how does a child make, you know, concessions with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, fast forward when I was 11, they had opened the flights, you know, that you could go back in the late seventies. And at 11, I flew to Cuba to meet him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's working construction, he's got a nice house. And I had siblings that I didn't know about from previous marriages of his. And all this was very, you know, I went from this life of thinking I'm the only, only child in my family to now I have these three siblings. Oh my God. I'm like, whatever. Wow. But you know, this is pretty good for a guy who was in prison. He's got a nice house, a nice job, whatever. Right. It just, it just, I'm trying to make sense. With yeah. You are 11. Right. Huh. Yeah. I'm 11. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, any day now, my mother's going to just pick up and say, Hey, listen, we're moving to Cuba because I don't want you to be away from your father. You know, whatever it was. It was so, and my mom worked so hard. She, she was, you know, she worked, she was a, a literature teacher in Cuba. That's what she majored in. And then she comes to this country, has to make ends meet. And she was working. Thank God it was a really good company, but doing, you know, factory work, it ended up being bought out by Johnson and Johnson. Um, but just, you know, a lot of times she was on 13 days and one day off and 13 days and one day off. So it was, it was just hard. Um, so she missed out on a lot of the things that, that I was very, very determined to do with my children. You know how we learn from, from our parents. So when I'm 16, 
just before my 17th birthday, my mom wants to go back to visit my father. And um, my grandmother at this time was sick already. And my mother said, you know, we're going. And, and my grandmother said, hey, I mean, she had been in bed for a year. And she said, hey, I'm going too. And I'm like, this is weird. She's, she's been in bed for, for a year. And, and now all of a sudden, no, I want to see my sister. And, and she came with us. It was a difficult trip for her. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when, when uh, we got there, which was weird because I, I didn't, it didn't make sense to me that why if a father has never met his daughter, doesn't he come pick her up at the airport? Right. Yeah. Like that's weird. Right. Yeah. Um so, so my great aunt picks us up, we go to her house and he picks just me up, which I thought was weird, takes him to a park, you know, no, I mean, I'm 16. It's not like I need ice cream or whatever, but we're sitting at the park and he, you know, and he tells me this is an imagine Vera, this is me right before senior year, 17 yeah. years old, Reagan is president. I am at the height of being and growing up with a grandfather like I had at the height of being so blessed and grateful for being born in this country. The optimism was at an all-time high with what it meant to be an American and American exceptionalism. And he sits me down and he says, you know, my greatest shame of my life is that I have an American daughter. And And I just, I'm just sitting there like, what is happening right now? And he said, listen, I am very well connected. I didn't come back for your grandmother. I came back because I was fighting for the revolution. And, um, and I want you to know that I know everybody in government. And if you are willing to stay here, um, I can make it happen. And I'm thinking, Vera, this is day one, right? Those are eight-day trips yeah. to Cuba, whatever. Different story and, for life, listen, for political no, prisoner, right? First of all, right. First of all, I'm thinking, number one, why have they been lying to me for all these years? Number two, do they even know? Hmm. And then number three was, how the fuck do I get off this island in eight days without him trying to pull some shit because I'm a minor? And he might brainwash my mother into leaving me. And then it hit me why my grandmother insisted on going despite the fact that she was really sick. Because she she thought he might convince her, but he knows he's not going to get past me. Right. Yeah. So it just it just brought on this whole thing of, you know, at 11, everything was different. Could that have set some trust issues, you know, back then? But then at 16, everything was um, nauseatingly different. It was the only way. I could and you also that. formed that, form your own opinion by that yes, time. So you were exactly. strong in your values. Exactly. Yeah. And I and I and I knew what I knew, but I also knew that legally, there was a chance. There was a chance that he could pull this off, and there was a chance. And then he right. he sort of blackmailed me that he had this girlfriend, and but my mother didn't know. But that I, if I stayed, he promised that he would stay with my mom. And he goes, and and you know, I know that all you want is for your mother to be happy. And the only thing that's going to make her happy is if she's with me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, motherfucker, bro, what in the world is happening right now? So I'm super focused. I go back because I left my my bags and everything. And um, and I'm I lost it. Like I, I didn't lose it in front of him because I was determined not to let him know that anything that he was saying was was coming through. I mean, I just I didn't want to. Was I didn't want to give him. I didn't want to give him anything mm-hmm. at that time. I said, and this sounds really bad, Vera, because I know that we have to honor our parents. But I said, this is a funeral that I will never have to come back for because this man is dead to me. 
Yeah. It was that bad. So I go back and when I see my grandmother, I just lost it. I lost it. So my grandma, my mother knew what had happened, number one. And my grandmother figured what would happen, what had happened. And she just said to me, go. Well, because I didn't want to go. I had seven days then to be with him and his family, whatever. And I just didn't want to go. And my grandmother said, you know, you go, you're going to be good. Don't you worry about anything. I got you. You go. Everything's going to be fine. Hmm. And and I did. And we spent, you know, seven days together and the family would come over and he would cook. And, you know, if, if we went out to somewhere where he worked, he would make me, you know, wear different clothes because my clothes look too American and whatever. Yeah. And um, and I was just like numb, Vera. I was numb for those seven days, just trying to, you know, looking over my shoulder, making sure that um, that if I had to run, I knew where I was going to run. Yeah. I mean, that's was it. Was it the last time you saw him? It was the last time I saw him. Um, uh, so when when I got years later, when I got married, it was already very a lot more fluid for Cubans to be able to come with a visa mm -hmm. for three months or whatever. And um, and and there was a lot of talk around the possibility of maybe him coming and and walking me down the aisle. And um, he just didn't want to set foot on American soil. I mean, Good. he just didn't want to, which is, which is, listen, I respect that. I, I, I think if he was as, as passionate about his political views as I am, I, ha I don't have to agree with him, but I have to respect that side of yeah. him. So it took me a long time to heal um, the fact that that was just his truth and it had nothing to do with me. And the fact that he was a bully about it was just, that's all he knew. And that it's actually okay. it probably helped you to make that decision to distance yourself from him. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it was, and it was, um, and again, it's a story, a story that I never shared, uh, because I think, like I said, I, I don't know that my mom would have wanted to hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started that that's the first chapter I wrote for my next book, which is called champagne and balls of steel. But I wrote that chapter five years ago. Huh? Um, and people would ask me, where's your next book? And I would say, I, I can't publish it until my mother's dead. And I wanted my mother to live to be a hundred. So I knew I would be up there, right? But it was okay. I, I was super determined to protect her from that. Oh. And um, and then I lost my mom, you know, in 2019. And it still hurts, but it, it, it was very freeing to be able to have the conversation. And I don't give a heck, you know, I don't care who hears it. And um, it's my story. And, and yeah. I get to share it. And I get to heal from it. And I can't heal from it if I don't share it. Yeah. That's so it's been very, he has since, you know, passed, he passed long before my mom did. Um, and it was, it was, it was crazy for me because I would say, um, you know, when people would say, where's, what about your dad? Where's your dad? And I would say, oh, he's dead. It was so much easier for me yeah. to just for that to be the explanation and that say, well, he was here, but then he went back to Cuba and then, you know, and leaving all the other stuff out. But, um, which is sad because you know how does how does saying someone's dead become easier than speaking their life you know yeah. but it is what it is girl but thank you for asking it's not something i talk about a lot but it is it but, is um, very interesting part of your story because you know it, at 16 to be as determined and knowing who you are 
and who you don't want to compromise to be. It's it's pretty strong to me. You know, I wasn't yeah. so sure about myself at 16 for sure. Yeah, and, I, and I think and I think Vera, you know what's happened. And it's interesting that you say that. I think what happened was that for the first time I felt I'm on my own. Yeah. Because there's always this illusion of the father, right? You know, even if he's not there, he's absent, but it's like your protector. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking, listen, I'm on my own here. You know, my my mom, I'm, I'm going to have to take care of my mom because she deserves to be taken care of. And I'm going to have to do it because he's not even there for her. She doesn't know it, but he's yeah. not there for her. Yeah. So it, it just brought on this whole sense of of um, of me stepping into maybe earlier than I should have, but stepping into a place of, you know, if it's me against the world, not in a bad way, not in a mad way, but um, in a very reassuring Listen, I can do this. I've been without him for 16 years. This is not going to be yeah. anything. And not only for yourself, but for people around you, for your own family, you stood up. Yeah. Crazy well, stuff. Well, despite all this, you went through and did have a successful career in something completely different than what you do today. Yes. And so what happened, there was a moment in your life when you decided that it can go on like that. And you did the craziest turnaround, 150% or yeah, what, how yeah. it could be called to, to completely change your life around and went back to school. Yep. Yep. Tell yeah, us about was, that. Yeah, it was uh, interesting, Vera, because I'd had, um, I'd been in title real estate on the title side for 28 years. Um, I, you know, the kids were already grown. And, and when my son actually graduated high school, I started my own title company. I said, okay, now it's my turn before I had worked. I had a title servicing company where I would service other title companies, um, and, uh, built a great business, loved every minute of it. Never thought I would quit title because I loved it. I knew I would die doing title. And then, um, one of my daughter's best friends had a really bad breakup. She would come to our house every day and, and, you know, she would, you know, we would try to console her and she would say, Veta, you should be a coach. And I'm like, Oh, people call me that all the time, whatever. And she said, no, like you should really be a coach. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes like, coaching, you can get certified. That's like a thing. And I'm like, what are you kidding me? So, um, I enrolled, you know, looked into it two weeks later, I'm enrolled at the university of Miami professional coaching program. But at the time I was training for a mission trip that I received, uh, uh, <laughs> a spot to go on, um, yeah. the January before and, uh, preparing for that mission trip. It was everything I ever wanted. I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to work with Maasai women and children. I wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I wanted to do all this stuff. But again, I took the coaching just out of curiosity. It was the most expensive curiosity I've ever had. But I just wanted to know what it was like, um, never expecting to leave title. I just thought it might make me a better human, better able to serve, better able to. So when I go on the mission trip, I spent three weeks in Kenya and Tanzania. And there was so much to be done, Vera. There were so many children, so many families. These are these Maasai people and the people of, of Kenya and Africa in general, uh, you know, I've been to Tanzania, Ethiopia and, and, and uh, Kenya. I'll be in Zimbabwe come February, but I just fell in love with the people. 
I mean, they're the most giving, the most hospitable people. You know, you walk into these mud huts and there's nothing there, like not even a little frame, a little lamp. But they are literally taking the beads off from around their neck and and gifting you with something. They just want to be able to give you you something. And um, so when I came back from that trip, um, I told my husband and my kids and my mom, I said, listen, I'm retiring from title. Uh, this is my life. I, there's so much to be done. I can't do it, you know, sitting in an office 16 hours a day. Even though when I built my company, I would tell my IT guy who was my cousin, um, I would say, whatever you have to build, I don't care how much it costs. I want to be able to do it from Africa. And I had never even gone to Africa, right? This was just on my vision board in my mind since I was a kid. And um, so it was, I had that flexibility, except when I was on the mountain that we were there for seven days. We had no communication. So, so I said that and they thought I had lost my mind. They thought I had fallen on the mountain and hit my head. And I got back October 4th and December 31st, I was retired from my company. I gave away my Miami business to these great people that I had worked with for years and my Orlando business to one of the girls that did a lot of my closings, who was in a situation where I knew it was going to really benefit her, um, offers to sell it. I didn't want to sell it. I didn't want to leave. My, I just wanted a clean, clean cut. And, wow. you know, God had been very generous with me. So I figured it's it's time to pay that forward and and never look back, Vera. Yeah, well, you skipped very, very elegantly around the biggest point that was climbing Kilimanjaro for somebody who has never climbed mountain before yes yes i was uh that's insane enough it was yeah i was it was a little bit insane but you know what i i i was so determined and and part of the mission was we would sponsor a maasai child my little boy's name was sipao he was five years old at the time and um and we had to raise you know we had to pay our six thousand dollars for the trip and then raise six thousand dollars and that would guarantee that it would get these five-year-old children, their medical, nutritional, and educational needs met until they graduated their version of high school. And, mm-hmm. and these are Maasai children who are living in very remote, poor villages. And without an education, it's very hard for them to thrive, especially that in Kenya, the schools are public, but they're not free. Yeah. So if you don't have the means, you know, you can't, I mean, you, you got to eat food or you're going to go to school. So, so a lot of parents don't have the option to do that unless they're, you know, sponsored. Um, so that's where each of us came in. There were 23 climbers on this mission and we each had our, our child who we were climbing for. Um, but when I get the invitation, you know, I, um, I'm 40, I turned 47 right before I left, never climbed the mountain in my life, born and raised in Miami. We don't have mountains or hills in Miami. And I thought, you know, I, I can, I can probably do this. They're giving us seven days to get to the summit. You know, it's little by little. Listen, you're probably the only person who thinks he can do it. No, I, I, I walked thousands. I think I, I put 2000 miles on my Fitbit between January and when we left in September. Um, I, I but got flat. to a few. Yeah. Gone to a few mountains just to see what it was like. But pff, you're not, you know, day one where it's, you know, the, Kilimanjaro, the base of Kilimanjaro is actually like a rainforest, okay? And mm-hmm. and you start seeing different topographies and, and, you know, ways of seeing the mountain as you go up. But even that first day, I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, 
who the hell told me? Yeah. <laughs> here. Um, uh, you know, at this age, I'm not in the best shape. But you know what, Vera? We, we each had a picture of our child hanging from a clip on our backpacks. Yeah. So whoever was walking behind you could see the picture of the child of the person in front of them. And I swear, Vera, if it hadn't been for that and the faith that I knew God picked me for this mission, picked me for Sipao, um, I guarantee you I was not in shape. I was not yeah. I was not supposed to. And uh, but that got me there. I was just so determined. And I and I had told my family, listen, I am going to summit or die trying. You know, my my wish is to be cremated and my ashes spread in the Maasai Mara or on Kili, you know, but so leave me there. Let me rot on the mountain. Don't even be optimist in you. So <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to summit or die trying. And, um, and I didn't bring a plan B. So it was either really, it was summit or die. I think if I remember correctly, there was a, a, a moment of weakness towards the end when you really couldn't do it anymore. And something happened that pushed you the last, moment to make it do you remember yeah that was that was on a different mountain but i think on this oh on God. this particular mountain everything and god's timing is so perfect and you know these these guides that they that that do this okay and our lead guide had already summited Killy over 250 times so the the my guide his name was masu and and he just knew he he could read me like a book and he just knew when it was time to come in when it was time to do something and we're getting to um there's a there's a a point where when you reach that point you're only an hour away from the summit okay mm -hmm. and he makes me sit down and they had i hadn't had coke since like i was pregnant with my son okay uh, or before i was pregnant with my son and they had all hidden a coke in our backpack so it was zero degrees when we got up, you know, at one in the morning to summit. So by the time that we get up there, these cokes are like freezing cold. Mm -hmm. And and he makes me sit down. He says, just for two minutes. And he brings this Coke out and he says, drink it. And I said, listen, I don't really drink Coke. He goes, you're going to drink Coke today. Listen, it was the best, most delicious Coke I'd ever had in my life. Yeah. And And you know what he did? He began to sing. He began to sing, and I just thought, I cannot let this man down who has taken me this far, okay? Um, and, you know, every day we would all start out as a group, and then eventually there would be a front group, there would be a middle group, and there would be two or three people in the back. So I would always start off, and I would look at whoever was walking all the way in the back, and I would say, today I'm going to walk with this person, because I want to go as slow as possible. Pole pole is what they call it you know, slow pace. Mm -hmm. It's the only way really to succeed um, on a, on a, on a, an adventure like that. And, um, and then it became not only about Sipao, but I gotta, I gotta get there to Masu. Look at how close we are. I, I can't quit now. Yeah. So it was, um, it's very interesting how, how our minds can kick things into a whole other level when when the attitude is right and our lead guide said the day before we left he said your success on this mountain is going to be 90 percent attitude and 10 percent aptitude i don't care if you're in shape i don't care if you can do it 
I, I, we, you know, brought blind people up here. We, you know, Masu's the oldest person Masu had taken. And I asked him was 84 years old. I'm like, how freaking embarrassing if I don't make it. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's all these little things that, that God is constantly whispering to us as, in, you know, as, as encouragement or as, you know, whispers of him telling us, listen, I know you can do this. Let's go. And then yeah. he'll bring somebody in or bring something in or, or something will enter your mind that will, that will take you to that next little leg. So yeah. Isn't this interesting what you just said that you wanted to go your slow pace to get there. And when you transform it to the coaching and the changes people seek to make in their life and they seek for the quickest possible shortcut to overcome all the pain and, and you know, pain of change to get there as yes. soon as possible. Isn't it fantastic? Yeah. Really, really interesting. And yeah. and it really is just, and I, I just lost a dear friend. I think I was telling you the other day, Vera yeah. and, and the realization, the greatest gift from, from what happened to him at the end was a realization for me that that our future is nothing more than an accumulation of the habits and the decisions that we make today. Yeah. All those little things, I don't care how minute or how minuscule, they're going to add up eventually. So it could be really good or it could be really bad. That's but, right. But it's yeah. but but the 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 slowing down and and just looking at what we're doing and what we're being consistent about is like you said, I'm glad that you that it stood out to you because super, super important. Yeah. Berta, if when you spoke about all these things you accomplished and I, it's just by any standard, that's nothing that normal human being thinks about to, oh, let's go climb Kilimanjaro or let's go and get the pilot license <laughs> or things like skydiving. Uh, it's, 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 it may be funny questions for you, but is there some like biggest fear that you faced and overcame? I think what happens, Vera, and the reason that I do these things, it's I, I don't do them because I'm not afraid of them. I'm I know that. Afraid, yeah. yeah, I'm afraid of being so afraid that I that I will stop trying things. So I think if there's one thing that I really fear, is fear, right? Mm -hmm. The giving into the fear, because you know our fears cease to exist the minute you know you're you're only scared until you jump off the plane, right? Um, you're only scared until, you know, your instructor gets out of the plane and says, okay, now you got to, you know, take off and land on your own. You know, yeah. you're, you're only scared until you dare to make that next step. So I think the scariest thing for me is always going to be, um, you know, am I ever going to get so scared that I won't do something? And, yeah. and, and I pray to God every day that that never happens. Um, you know, I think it, it helps a lot that I'm not afraid of dying. And I think what happens is I want to live to be a hundred. Let me preface this whole conversation with that. Um, but I'm if I go today, I go happy because I've lived two lifetimes in my 55 years. Okay. So I think not being afraid of dying gives you an edge in, in being afraid, being uh, willing and courageous enough to try new things that, because it's okay. If I go, I go. And what a hell of a way to go. Listen, I'd rather go. And they say, listen, she was jumping out of a plane and the parachute didn't open. Then, Aww. you know, she was stuck at the office trying to move the mouse and <laughs> she had a heart attack or, you know, not a little, you know, whatever. But, but I think that, I think that helps. 
that helps. That helps. And it, it's also crazy inspiring for people around you to, to strive to being their best. And I'm sure it shows up in the coaching as well. When you, when you have a client that is not so sure that they can achieve things that they set to achieve, I'm sure it makes big role in, in the way you work with them. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I, I just have very high expectations of people and, and, and I have yet to be let down. So, because I, I see what they're capable of, you know, and, and you know that we because you're a coach as well. You, you see that masterpiece walking in way before they even get to the door. Right. And all we have to do is bring it out and, yeah. and help them see it. So it's fun. We get to do this for a living. Yeah. So what would you say are the three strongest values for you to live by? I think the three strongest values would be um, lead with generosity. I think in everything that we do, we have to lead with generosity. Um, I think um, knowing that that we're a masterpiece, uh, God God don't make no junk, you know, sort of thing. And uh, God put us here for a reason. And, and, and if we look hard enough, we'll eventually figure it out. And I think it's just, you know, for me, I am, I am almost optimistic to a fault. I, I don't know how not to be optimistic, even in, in situations that may seem like you shouldn't be. But I think um, being an eternal optimist really, really helps. Really helps. Yeah. Because I can see the beauty in everything. And I can That's see the reason. Important. Yes. That's for sure. It is important. <laughs> so when people work with you, what can they expect? Well, they expect, uh, and I tell them at every, you know, interview, and you know how it is, Vera. It's not so much that they're interviewing us. We want to make sure that we're interviewing them. For any coaches out there, um, you know, work with people that set your soul on fire or mm -hmm. don't work with them at all. Okay. Um, because if you're not inspired by those conversations and, and, and what's possible for them, it's going to suck. You right? will be burning yourself. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I always preface with, um, I don't care if I'm talking to a brand new coach who's just looking for a structure in, in their, and how to set up a business. Um, a coaching business that's viable and, and can, you know, be rewarding for them. Or if I'm talking to the CEO of a major co corporation, I tell them I am an asshole as a coach because I am going to so, so believe in what you're trying to accomplish if I take you on as a client that I'm not going to let up until we're done. So some, di some days it's great, right? If they're doing what they're, what they're, you know, they're, staying accountable if they're doing yeah. what they promise they're going to do it's great sometimes it's not so great and the f-bombs are flowing um but you know what nobody goes to coaching if they just want to be you know hey you're doing great good Bamford. job yeah you know, exactly just, yeah. I'm, 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 and if you do it's great i'm not your coach it but is the hardest mind, thing to actually yeah. listen to yeah. being shown who you really are Yes. Because deep down, you know it, but it's hard to hear it from somebody and else. And sometimes it needs, and you know what? People really, really appreciate when we tell them what they need to hear. 
and yeah. tell them what nobody's willing to tell them. You know, I don't have one client who has not become a friend. You yeah. know, I went on a, my mission trip last year was to Kenya and I took ex-clients. We had a great time. And you know what? They become my family because I love them enough to tell them what they want to hear. And there are days when they hate my guts. And listen, that's okay. That's 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 what you're paying for. So it's just it's just a trip. And I've met some amazing people and see people do brilliant, brilliant things that they never could have imagined that they would do. But but it was in them because they had the seed of that dream. It wouldn't be planted there if God hadn't already given them everything they needed to to achieve what I believe. It's funny you said uh, that's what they are paying me for because it just reminded me of one story. One of my first clients that I got and uh, when we were like, we were making big progress with her, but then every time she comes back to have another session and she was back where she was before. And I realized there is issue in the family that we need to address. So we met with her husband and Obviously, we made progress with her, but he wasn't up to speed, so to say. So he had a lot of stuff to get out of himself, you know, before we can do any any kind of coaching. And at one point, he got so frustrated because I didn't let him to be with his story uh, that he told me, well, you got to do what you paid to do. And I'm like, nothing will happen unless you change what you need to change this is you're not paying me to change your life yeah you nobody can change it for you and it's it was so hard for me because i was really new in this and and i just randomly came up with the story about my mom and how i overcame my own issues with her and miraculously it fit the situation because suddenly he got it the light bulb went on and he was like, I got it. I'm in control of my own emotions and feelings. Got it. Absolutely. Got it. And it that. just, and it was like the big stone fell off her chest because that's what she was overcoming every single time when she came back home, lifted high wow. and then got back to where yep. she was before. So it's a big deal. And it's probably one of the biggest misconceptions people have about coaching that they believe that the coach will make them do what they don't want to do, but they have to find it in themselves. To yeah. Do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's making them want to do what they don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Making them know, you know, encouraging them. And I, I think it's beautiful the way that you did that because what happens Vera, if you had not gotten curious um, that something might, if you, you were listening so well to her that you determined that there was something going on. Yeah. There was something underneath that wasn't spoken, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and it was the, the, the least probable link because she kept telling me and her daughter that her husband was the best person in the world. And he was, he was fabulous yeah. human being, yeah. but unintentionally he was bringing her back down where she was before. Mm-hmm. And it's just the the dynamic was there the moment I walk in a house. Yeah. And it just, you, and I wasn't sure what will come out of it. And we had, there was one, two or three hour session that I can feel sweat running down yeah. my back because I yeah. couldn't get up and walk away. I have to finish the job. 
he was so close to get it and he did wow. and i was so proud yeah, yeah i was really proud it was one of the most amazing transformations for me as a coach to see somebody really from the almost combative attitude towards me being able to take charge of their own thoughts and realize that it's somewhere else than what he was looking for. Yeah. It was spectacular. And that's beautiful. And that's a beautiful story. Vera. I didn't know. And you know, it's crazy that it's your commitment and that's the difference between, you know, some people have their first experience with a coach that's not really in it for the right reason. You know, yeah. people get into coaching for money and I'm like, listen, you're never going to make money selling coaching. Nobody buys coaching. You exactly. know, they're, they're, they're buying the dream and they're buying the results that, that you can bring them. Yeah. But the difference between a coach who's just there, hey, listen, okay, 45 minutes are up. What are you going to work on next week? And what yeah, do you want to exactly. you know, yeah. do it the very traditional, whatever. Um, I've never been good at that. So, so my sessions are like that. They're two, two, three hour sessions. You know, I tell people, bring time. It's all you got. It's all I got. All I can tell you is bring time. Yeah. Versus the coach like you that was so committed to the breakthrough for your client that she was willing to get because she had already proven to you that she was doing the work. It was disheartening. Exactly. Because she was yeah, making such yeah, a progress. Yeah. Yeah. But you, but, but you could have just as easily, not you, because I know how you are, but, but any other coach might've just not gone there. They don't want to go deep. They just want to, let's keep it surface and listen, we got to go deep and we got to get, yeah. you know, down and dirty. That's, or if not, we're not serving. And it's, it's for, okay. for anybody change isn't easy. Yeah. As you know, it's Absolutely. not like we are some superhuman beings that will, will change our ways on demand. It just doesn't yep. work like yep. that. Yep. Yep. That's what would you, I what do that. you do when people have a hard time to change their habits, change their ways? You know what? I, 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 I always start with the why Vera. I, I go back to, and that's a part, a lot of the discovery that we, that I do with my clients is around the why, because I know that I can always bridge the gaps. Um, if I can tie them back to the why, if they have a very strong why. Okay. And, and listen, and I only know that because that was me, that that's how, that's how things work for me. I've always been very why driven. I've always been very why motivated. So, so I know that, and listen, Vera, we know people are like, Oh, are you, I just had a breakfast with a client this morning. And, and she said, what do you do? Are you always like super motivated? And I go, listen, some days suck ass. And I, and I'm very, you know me, Vera, I, I say it like it is, and I'm very transparent and I'm very authentic with people. And I'm like, listen, I'm having a low V day. I call it low V, you know, it's low vibration day. It just is what it is. So when I'm having a low V day, I have enough of a routine already set up that I can go into robot mode, right? Yeah. If today I'm having a low V mode and I'm not motivated to do things, and listen, I'm very graceful with myself. I want to encourage everyone out there to extend grace to themselves. I I am I I schedule my spontaneity because if you see my calendar, it's like crazy but i schedule even the spontaneity because i want to make sure that i have room not so much for balance in my life but for harmony in my life yeah because and the, the last thing we think about is ourselves and that exactly. needs to be scheduled like you said exactly exactly so so i i i don't keep score like oh this many hours of this and this many hours of this i have created a business that gels so well with the life that i want to live that i can't tell when one starts and one ends I don't know where where the you know where the work ends and then the play begins. They're they're just 
very, very interconnected. Um, and I, That's I, my it dream wasn't, to achieve. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't instant. It wasn't instant, but we have to be intentional about that. If not, it's never going to happen. So what I do is I, I, I've established enough of, and because I, my focus is always on accountability, I've established enough of a routine that this part, you know, and I'm, and I'm in, in my RV today in, in Pigeon Forge. So the fridge of the RV has a little light. So when you're connected to the, when you're hooked up to the electricity, the little green light is on that says, um, you know, electric. Mm-hmm. But when you disconnect the electricity, automatically the fridge goes to LP. So it's running on the, the LP gas. Mm-hmm. So that the fridge is never not functioning. It's either functioning on, in my case, I'm either functioning on motivation or I'm functioning on robot mode. Yeah. But I have the the parameters in place so that when this is missing, I'm still getting everything done. I'm still getting to everything in in robot mode. If you there will. is no because option I for designed... you to melt. <laughs> There's no, exactly. So, so I love that. Beautiful. So that I'm, so that I'm, I'm never missing a beat. And, and listen, there are days when I'm disconnected and and my clients will call me or somebody will call me. I don't have anything scheduled. And they'll say, listen, I've been calling you for three days. And I'm like, I'm in a mountain. I don't have reception. I was camping, you know, and it's, it's just not a big deal. You know, of course I'm going to honor if we have a call scheduled or if we have something, but if I don't, it's just that it's, it's very fluid. It's very friendly. It's very, I love them and, and they're used to hearing from me. But but I tell people, don't panic. Don't panic because, you know, chances are I'm going to be somewhere where there's no reception. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 20 times a month. Especially <laughs> lately. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. There, was, there was one question I wanted to ask you because I know you care deeply about your family. Family is everything to you. And I never met your kids. But if I had the opportunity to ask them, your daughter or son, what would be one word they would describe you by? Listen, they love saying I'm crazy. (laughs) I I signed for that. (laughs) My mom, she's crazy, but I I take it as a good thing. You know, I, I, um, you know, I think we teach our children more. Uh, by what we do than by what we say. I, you know, I, I don't subscribe to the children are going to do whatever you tell them. That's the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. Children mm-hmm. are going to do what you do. So make sure that you're setting a good example. Make sure that you are living your life the best way that you know how, so that if, if that's what they're going to mimic, um, they'll be in good shape, you know? And, and, and I've always subscribed to that. My kids are freaking, and you will meet them, Vera, but they're amazing um you know of course super biased here but they're they're really two of the most i know that i'm leaving the world better than it was when i got here because of my children and i know that not not everybody can say that i know what i'm leaving behind is something they're two spectacular amazing generous giving um funny as all hell um human beings that really care about humanity and that's oh. that's all we can ask for. That's a and result of, of your work as well. Yeah, yeah. And now my granddaughter's following suit, so it's like, you know, I'm good. I leave happy is what I say. <laughs> yeah. No, you have you have something to be proud of for sure. That's aside of your professional achievements as a human being. That's you know, like I said at the introduction, you leave everyone with the feeling that 
they are lifeies already. You know, I, I had that feeling. We met and we kick it off right away. Oh, yeah, and, uh, but I feel like like we met and we went to lunch here and we had a couple of conversations just by by li on LinkedIn, on Messenger. And I'm like, this is my sister from another mister. Right That's here. how I felt too. Yeah, it was it was so cool. I'm very blessed by you and super grateful for you. And, and I love you, you know that. My you know, well, that, that is very mutual. That feeling, and I know that you make other people feel that way. That it, you are meaningful to many, many people in the world, and that's that's really a big badge of honor. That I, if I may say so, yeah. Thank you, Vera. And, and listen, the world is full of amazing, wonderful, beautiful people. That don't buy into that that lie that they're telling us that people suck and that people are bad and that people are people are wonderful. And if well, if we, if we, if we slip into complaining, we are becoming one of them. So that's, that's yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. And listen, if we go out there expecting for people to be great and to show up for us and to love on us and to appreciate, that's what you're going to get time and time and time again. Now, if you go out expecting for people to stab you in the back and to always be after you, listen, yeah. you're going to get that too. So yeah. just, you know, you get what you ask for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's, you know, it's, it's some, I just had a bad experience yesterday uh, because I had a, someone quite important scheduled a call with me and I was getting ready and, uh, you know, I was all positive and prepared everything, all the questions that I want to ask. And it wasn't related to podcast and, and the person didn't show up, didn't answer, didn't follow up, didn't excuse himself, didn't respond to follow up text. And it was a first introduction. And I was, I was really disappointed because I was like, what compel people to do that? Then in today's technology, they don't even feel obligated to maybe shoot a short text. Sorry, I can't make it or I changed my mind, whatever it is. It's just the complete disrespect yeah. of somebody else's time. And it's just, I was really devastated and I was looking back and I was like, what have I done wrong? What what happened that brought this to me? Because it was like second phone call in this week. And I so I was looking inside of me for answers and where I could improve. And then I went to my neighbors and grabbed their dog and went for a walk and clear my head. Yeah. And that's how you sometimes get back <laughs> on track. Yeah. But Vera, but Vera, I'm glad that you said that out loud because you know we have to be careful with ourselves. Yeah. Um, and we always try to find the fault in us. And you know what? That's something that until we break that cycle, um, we're going to always do it. We're, we we cannot at our age, right? Because we're the same age. We cannot default yeah. to blaming ourselves. Okay. So here's, because that's happened to me. And you know what? I, I, you know, I love that you said devastated. I hope that was an exaggeration, but um I know that it hurts and I know that it's like, it's just like, man, just professional courtesy. This is, yeah. this is just so not, there's no excuse for this anymore in this day and age. Correct. Um, but two things that, that, that I would do in that situation. Number one, I say a prayer for the person. Okay. Um, because I don't know, I don't know what it is. Maybe their calendars jammed up. Maybe they lost their phone, you know, whatever yeah. a prayer for that person. But that person is, is, is those are not my people. Like I say, I, I take people off of my worry list really, really quickly. People are never off my prayer list, but they're off my worry list really quickly. That's true. And, 
and and I I do that because I send them off into not my tribe with a prayer, but I have no attachment, Vera. Yeah. Yeah, because this is this is something that you wouldn't do to anybody. This doesn't correspond with your values. And that person would suck the life out of you anyway. Yeah. The good thing is exactly the good thing is that you were spared from having to deal with that person, because if that's the way that they're going to be, those are not your people, Vera. You, you, you're you. You need to be around people that are like you, high energy, high achieving, super motivated, giving generous, you know, in service mode. And that's, that's there are 7.8 billion people on the planet, man. We don't have right. time to eat shit with anybody that is not Correct. on our vibration. I'm sorry yeah. I'm saying so many bad words. That's here. okay. We'll beep Listeners. it. <laughs> I apologize. No, 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 no. I but, love um, you the way I love you just the way you are. <laughs> so so Listen. just be mindful of that, but it's you know, yeah. it's his loss. His loss yeah. big time. And actually, I, I can probably praise this on the coaching training that I learned to deal with these things differently than the default is. Like like you said, yes. like we blame ourselves or we blame whatever, you know, it's 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 you have always different perspective to look at things. And I it doesn't bother me as much. And just like you said, I decided just then that, well, if that's the way you are acting in professional setting, then I don't want to work with you for exactly. sure. I yes. love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Let's tell you your hair looks amazing. Oh, thank you. I did uh, straighten it up for you because oh, I love these it. Days, I, I love you curly though. I love you curly. Me but... too. And it's much easier in humid. But these yes. days, I wasn't outside yet. I'm inside, so I was like, I can okay. take. I can iron it a little and be elegant for Berta. I love it. She deserves it. it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I have two last questions for you. First of all, you have something special coming up in January in Orlando that I want you to to invite everybody about. And then I would like you to say goodbye with some one piece of wisdom that you would address to people that may be considering working with the coach, don't know what it means, what it involves, don't know if they are ready to change, but they have this deep desire inside of them that something got to change because it's going to eat them alive. Beautiful. <laughs> Not Beautiful. an easy task, but yes, easy I love for it. you. I love it. Good, good. No, super hard, but it's okay. Um, so so January 21st, we do this, this event called Speaker Connect, and we mm-hmm. did... We started doing them back in uh, 2018. We did it in Fort Lauderdale, Knoxville, Colorado, back in Fort Lauderdale. We would we would cycle them through. And what this was, Vera, it came from my need when I started speaking to have video of myself speaking. The only way you can get an engagement if you is if you send in a sizzle reel or a video, but you can't do a video unless you have a speaking engagement. Yeah. So one day I called my son and I said, listen, I'm just going to rent a theater I'm going to rent production people. I'm going to bring in videographers. You know, he's a copywriter. I want you to do the abstracts, whatever. And I'm just going to change outfits. It was $5,000. I said, I'm just going to change outfits, record 10 different speeches, and I'll have enough material and content, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm mentioning it to one of the one of my fellow coaches who I was in Toastmasters with. And she said, oh, my God, Berta, if you're going to do that, let me pay into it. And that way I'll help you with the cost. And I'll record a speech. I don't have a recording. 
And then another one heard her talking about it. And he's like, what are you talking about? So we tell before oh, I knew it, I had, yeah, I had seven people who needed recording. So what I did was I just divided the cost between all of us so that we, you know, instead of paying $5,000, I think we each paid $900 or something. But we left there with the video professionally edited with a sizzle reel, with headshots, with the abstract. And we had a real live audience. You know, I would invite people to come in in the audience. And um, and that way the videos have the interaction from the audience, which is super necessary when you're yeah. dealing with uh, with speaking meeting planners. So then at that event, three people came up to me and said, are you doing another one? Because I don't have video. And I said, well, let me look into it, whatever. We did the same exact thing, you know, reserved the same theater, did the same thing. We split the costs. Um, and, uh, and then everybody kept asking us for it. So we did another one in Orlando. We did one in Knoxville, Tennessee. We did one in the one, the last one that we did was in Colorado, March 1st, 2020, right as the pandemic was hitting. And, uh, and then we weren't able to get venues again. We had a, a theater scheduled for October that year and we had to cancel. So now, so many people have been asking and my daughter said, listen, you can't, you can't not do this again. So, so we had a wait list. I'm, I'm contacting people, but that's going to be super exciting. So we're doing yeah. it at, um, at Orlando shakes in, in Orlando, um, at one of the theaters, there. beautiful venue. And we're going to have seven speakers again. Um, I think we have spots for two more, um, for two speakers that, that mm-hmm. haven't signed up yet. Um, and it's just going to be fun. And it's it's a great event to hear inspiration. They're all speakers in different levels of expertise. Yeah. And and what a brilliant idea. What a brilliant yeah. idea. So it's not a it's not a moneymaker, but but we're all able to get what we need and yeah. just share the costs of of doing something that's really high, high quality without having to love go it. out of pocket ten thousand dollars. Absolutely you know? love it. Yeah. Yeah, See, that's the creative part of you that, that come up with ideas that <laughs> are need. brilliant. The yeah. need, the need. There was a need. You know how they yeah. say need is the mother of all invention. <laughs> yeah. And so let's let's yeah. finish yeah. with this one big wisdom from Berta Medina. By the way, is it Berta Garcia Medina? Berta Medina? What is the no. name? Now it's, now it's back to Berta Medina. All right. <laughs> that's my, okay. my maiden name. Okay. You know, you know the story, girl. <laughs> Still in, not the Garcia part, but I'm I'm back to Medina. The master of reinvention <laughs> in action. There you go. <laughs> so so I think I think what I would say first of all, Vera, super honored that you asked me. I love uh sharing space with you. I love that you are doing this because I know what a blessing you're gonna be to your audience, to the world, to having this content out there. Um, so I'm super stoked and especially with the guests like you, because you inspire masses. You are seriously, you are this little person that is warm to anybody who you meet, but then you are bigger than life to everybody else. It's, it's incredible quality of you. It's really, it's, I'm honored to have to know you. (laughs) Make me blush. But thank yeah. you. You're totally biased, guys. She's totally biased. Just like yes, I, I am. <laughs> but I, I'm super grateful for the space. Super grateful for the space. But I think what I what I would say to people maybe considering coaching, I think if you have a little inkling of of 
that it's time for a change, that is only going to grow as time passes. And then what happens is that if you wait three, two, five, ten years, you're going to wish when you get there that you had started sooner. Um, I'm going to confess that nobody needs coaching. Nobody on this planet needs coaching. Okay. Yeah. Um, you have to want to make a change and want coaching, but I have never seen, and I've always invested. I've always had coaches. I, I have my coach now, um, but I've always had coaches. I've never been afraid of investing in myself um, in that capacity, have always spent um more money than I could afford when I would hire the coaches, but have always made a huge jump in my revenue and my, you know, business success because of it at, at every level, at every level. Yeah. So I think that it's, it, it's that, I think those, those little, those little, you know, inklings that we have that it's time for a change is, is just telling it's an inkling. Now it's going to be a blatant scream. Uh, later on, if you don't do right. anything about it. Is and there is probably not the bigger pain than feeling that you yeah. unrealized your potential and you are settling yeah. for yeah. something that you feel inside your body that it's not the right path for you. Yeah. Yeah. And and listen, the cemetery is full of untapped potential. And and all I can oh, gosh. say is that, <laughs> that, listen, it's true. You know, it's true. This is you funny. Know, like, people died. You you have said something that completely brought me back to uh, wait 1997. I'm in a hospital, lying with the IV in my arm, and my and I worried all about what is going to happen with my business. How is it my husband is going to handle it by himself? Should I hire that assistant? Oh my God! It's everything is going to fall apart because I was the business, right? I was doing everything. And the business friend of mine called the, off, the, the the hospital and you just said the same exact thing except a little different ending <laughs> because he was asking me how I was doing and I was being prepped for surgery. There was my second back surgery. And he said, so the cemeteries are full of irreplaceable people. Wow. And I yeah. was like, yeah shit wow well thank you very much that's absolutely yeah. true because everything wait everything could wait everything nothing is more important than your health and it you just said it and it just brought me back like smack <laughs> it's so funny and, and the thing is vera and you know what's crazy with this friend of mine that i told you right right as he was getting diagnosed and i've been telling him for years listen you got to take time you gotta you gotta start living your life you gotta travel you have to do things so at that you know 11th hour He's telling me, you know what, did you did you finish your pilot's license? Because I'm just going to rent a plane and we're going to go and we're going to travel and I'm going to meet you wherever you are. And I'm going to let my son take over the business and I'm going to, you know, all this stuff. And, and it doesn't matter. And I'm just going to start living my life. And you know what? He didn't last not six weeks from diagnosis. And 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 what I say is that it, it what hurts me is that what we regret at the end is not the things that we did that oh my god i can't believe i did this to this person right. it's what we didn't do yeah so my 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 call to action for everyone listening is that while we don't want to live in urgent mode life does require a sense of urgency yeah we need to get to whatever we're going to do because we don't know when 
when is. And not to be gloom and doomy, like I said, I plan to live to be 100. But you know what? I die happy if I die right now because yeah. I've, I've done everything. You don't, I don't regret, you don't and, regret and, anything. Yeah. That's true. And just remember that that you're a masterpiece and you deserve to live your life the way that you want to live your life, the way that you envision it, regardless of who around you likes it or not. You know what you want. You know what you desire. Those desires were planted in you by God, the universe, whatever your higher power is for you to be able to fulfill it, not for you to die without regretting that you didn't do it. So. Well, if anybody was inspired by Berta today, and I don't believe there is a human being in the world that wouldn't be, uh, how do people get in touch with you the best? So easiest thing is uh, Berta Medina Garcia, I believe it's still on LinkedIn, or on Facebook, Berta Medina, or Dreamers Succeed on Facebook. Super easy. Um, It's Coach Berta on Instagram, but but I play a lot in, in Facebook and LinkedIn. And um, I would love to hear from you guys. Um, just again, if, if there's anything uh, that I can do, love that, that we would have a mutual connection with Vera because every time I, I connect with someone of hers, you know, the first 30 minutes or so, we're just talking about how amazing she is. So again, I, I <laughs> Same love you're for me. I love that you're doing this, Vera. Berta is the the master of introductions. And I have, whenever first I started, that was the first thing that totally amazed me about you, that you sat down and you just introduced me to so many valuable people that became friends and connections. And it's, that's what all the social networking is all about, because that's what we are supposed to do. We connect with people that, we can help or we can get introduced to somebody else or they know somebody that may need just what we have. So it's the social media time when we can take it outside and and connect together as a people. And if you are going to be blessed to meet Berta in person, I envy you right now because she has no time. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you girl. so much. I'm so happy that you're doing this here. Thank you. And I so appreciate the time. That was really fantastic episode. Thank you My so pleasure. much. My pleasure. Love you, girl. And I will Have absolutely, fun, in uh, in the the show notes, there'll be all the connection information to Berta if you if you are if you feel compelled to to get out, uh, reach out to her. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Love you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day. And I I can hear to hear reactions to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.